The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We have officially hit the midseason mark. Pretty much every team in the NHL has hit that 41-game total. Um, whether you believe in the Thanksgiving standings or not as the real measure of what a team is going to be in the season, um, at this point, you really, really, really can't claim too small of a sample size. Uh, so here we are. Wildly uh, surprising is Chicago so far in last because I thought Arizona was bad enough to at least keep pace with them. Um, Also wildly unpredictable. I'm going to have to go with three of the top five teams being a surprise where they are uh, at being where they are from the start of the season. Maybe even, maybe even more of the top. Honestly, if you look at the top ten, if you look at the top ten, okay, Tampa being in the the top ten is not very surprising. Carolina being in the top ten is not very surprising. I would say that Tampa's position is shocking at number ten, but Boston being first at this point, no, no one. No one who is not as uh, one of the local programs would call them a Bobo predicted that back in September before with, uh, you know, a third of the roster on injured reserve. New Jersey and third in the league. Yeah, there were about as many predictions for them being third in the league on January 15th with 43 games played as there were for Boston being in first. Vegas, no no goaltender in fifth. People would have said, "Are what drugs are you supposed to be on? Okay. So that's I'm, my three of the top five that just don't make sense if you look at everything we knew or thought we knew in, in September. Well, uh, and, and clearly you left out the most important one, which is at number eight in Seattle. Based on their... Based on their their inaugural season, based on the team as it's currently constructed, and yeah. yes, they brought in Burakovsky. They drafted Matty Beniers, who's potentially going to be Rookie of the Year. It depends on that Logan Thompson kid in, in Vegas. Uh, but and I I love the way. I love the way the athletics, the athletic story, and we're going to get to that at some point in in the future. But just uh, the way they put it, you know, they've gone from goaltending, which was replace Philip Grubauer with a shooter tutor and see if anybody notices. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. It was funny. And Go for to, it. You know, the fact that now he's playing... The fact that Martin Jones is playing, he's on one of his kicks again, where he lights up the universe and he's got a 935 save percentage and he shut out the number one team in the NHL. I mean, 
what they're doing. I mean, their shooting percentage as a team is 10.94, which is apparently at least a point, if not more so, higher than any other team in the NHL. That will make a difference. So, uh, what, what number eight has to be the most surprising. I mean, Seattle probably is the most surprising being in the top ten at all. Um, but, and we'll talk about the Bruins' prediction specifically. And honestly, I, honestly, I think the other surprise has to be Tampa Bay all the way down at ten. Although yeah. they've played more hockey than anybody else over the last three, four years. And, I Maybe mean, it's time in, for a little bit of a hangover. I mean, in Tampa's defense, as far as being in 10th of 32, every single team ahead of them has played at least one more game, and the Los Angeles Kings, who are one point ahead of them, have played five more games. Five. Agreed. Uh, but to talk about Seattle specifically... Yeah. Watching them play against the Bruins, two things stood out to me at all, like from opening, uh, from like the opening whistle to the closing siren. They wanted it more. They have, as a team, the most active, assertive sticks I have seen in decades. Every single player is leading with their stick, stick on the ice, always, always, always aimed at the puck. Um, and the other thing was everyone's feet were moving. Even guys who really don't have a reputation for being fast, yeah. playing, were playing for moving forward, moving at all times, moving forward. And those two things combined are going to make anyone much harder to beat. Okay, true. I can't, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, but let's dive into some of the other stories and we'll hopefully circle back to the rankings uh, as, a, as a story later. Um, while we're talking about the Kraken, um, as they handed Boston its first regulation defeat um, at home, at home the other night, they also set a new NHL record. They became the first team in NHL history to sweep a seven game road trip. When you think of how long the league has been in existence and how many road trips there have been, that's that's a pretty big statement. And they weren't really playing so, super soft teams uh, when you look at when you look at who they were who they had on the calendar. Well, no, before they came before they came into town, they played Philly and. Was it Carolina? I'd have to double check. Um, yeah, no, it, but it, it by no means was an easy, it, it, it wasn't an easy road trip. I mean. It wasn't two stops in Chicago and two stops in Arizona and another stop in, in Anaheim. It was. 
I mean, to sit there and shut out, like I said, to shut out the number one team in the NHL, that's... Uh, so, okay, but the, they concluded the season, they concluded that seven-game road trip with, mm-hmm. or no, they went to, let's see, they started off in Edmonton, so fast, offensively gifted team, they beat them 5-2. Okay. Toronto, they beat them 5-1. They went into the Ottawa team that has given the Bruins fits and beat them 8-4. to four. Toronto gave Boston pits last night. Mm. Yeah, I. Those two teams are always going to play aggressively. Like that was a fun game to watch. But then they went into Montreal, shut them out for nothing. Okay. They went to Buffalo, who's also given Boston fits all season, and beat them four three. They came into Boston, won three nothing. Then they went to Seattle and won uh, eight to five. Seattle went to Seattle. Wow. I'm sorry, they went to Chicago. Oh, okay. Uh, but before that, they beat the Islanders uh, four to one at home. So they they cracked off eight wins in a row, seven on the road to open the year. That. I mean, the I did, there's, there's not, not a, a lot. Great team. I was going to say, there's not a lot you can say or not. Seven-game road trip. I mean, was it impressive when the Bruins went out and swept all three teams and, and swept the California trip? Three. I mean, it's only three games. And the way they're playing, it's kind of expected. To, to sweep a seven-game road trip, I mean, you stop and think about your – on the road, you're going all the way to the East Coast because obviously you played Ottawa and you played Boston and you played Buffalo. So it's not like we're talking road trip down the West Coast. We're talking road trip where you cross 3,000 miles. And you're staying in hotels and, and you've got hotel food. And you, I mean, it, there's not you can't say anything. I mean, what's the worst you can say? And it. It took them a 4-3 win to, you know, they let up five goals to Chicago. They they only beat Buffalo 4-3. I mean, what, what's the worst What's the worst thing you can say about this road trip? <laughs> uh, I don't know, because Seattle, I mean, they had to, they flew from Ottawa to Montreal and then Montreal to, uh, to Buffalo back to back. Um, so three games and four nights there as in the middle of the road trip. And then after a night off, a night off after beating a speedy, aggressive Buffalo team, they come into Boston and look fresh and, you know, they're still making passes. There's no mental error. There's no consistent mental errors. Uh, they were a very good team. I have found the worst thing you can say about this trip. Someone and got yes, it. And yes, it was the last game. It was the last game of the road trip. But against Chicago, where they won eight to five, it was six to one at the end of the first period. So that means that they let Chicago score four goals in the two periods following. Okay, that's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Just disband the team. Disband them immediately. 
gave um, up four goals in two periods and you were ahead six to one. I mean, I don't know. Yep. You had the oh. game winner in the first period. You had the game winner. The game winner against the league's worst team. Yes. I understand. Uh, now. I mean, good for go them. And, uh, good for them. I was just going to, the only thing I was going to say was, I mean, is it, is, is it, are we at a point where you don't say keep it, you know, hope you can keep it going? I mean, halfway through the season, at some point, you got to accept that they are keeping it going. At this point, they're going to be in the playoffs. The Devils are going to be in the playoffs. Um, Barring some kind of alien abduction and mass collapse, alien abduction, black hole opens up over the stadium or over the arena. Uh, your strike. I, I don't. Yeah. Something along those lines. Exactly. Congratulations to them. Seven games. Wow. That's impressive. I mean, a seven game win streak period is never easy. But when you're traveling almost either every day or every other day, that's that's a lot. Yep. Now, we ran a quick poll um, the other night. Uh, with twenty nine, uh, poll was with twenty nine goals through thirty nine games. Where will David Pasternak end the season for goals? Options were under fifty, fifty to fifty nine, and sixty plus. What's your take? Uh, as much as I'd love to see sixty plus. I feel it's going to be somewhere in the 50 to 59 range. Realistically, I think that he, I think that he can break 60. I'm not saying he can't, but I'm waiting for that window of games where he kind of dries up a little bit. Like he goes on a five or seven game spell where he doesn't score or he doesn't score any goals. Anyway, I see. I, even accounting for that, I think he's going to end up at like 62, 63. He's just been ridiculous this year. And Montgomery is way more flexible than Cassidy. So he's been using, he's been double shifting him um, with different guys. Um, he's been, you know, the, the Raptors line has been reunited a couple of times. He's gotten to play with Hall sometimes. He's played off and on with Krejci. Um, and oh, I think go I was gonna, no, I was just going to say, I believe that Jim likes putting the, the, the checkmates together. Uh, he had them together the other night and, and they did remarkably well. Wasn't it the night after this poll went public or two nights after this poll went public where he got his hat trick? Yeah, from 29 to 32. <laughs> and th- and that's the thing. I-, I think that he's he's probably going to have one of those six or seven game, um, you know, goal slumps. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to be mean but, and wish it upon him. I'm not. I just think that it, it's. But he's also going to have that six game spree where he gets like 11 goals or a, p- a couple of nights where he gets back to back hat tricks. It's just who he is. Okay. 
Um, as I as I look up the results, since I hadn't looked at them before this, and to see that most of the public believes the same way you do. Um, yeah, it, uh, the poll results, which I should probably have shared, um, <laughs> came out 40% in the 50 to 59 range and 60% in the 60 plus range. Um, I'm usually not bullish on any sort of hard stat like this um, because there's just so much that can go wrong. But as long as he stays healthy, I think it's right there for him. I think this is a yeah, oh, I completely get it done. I believe that it can. I believe that it, he can get it done. I believe it's it's certainly possible. I mean, nobody was foolish enough to vote under fifty. I'm almost one hundred percent certain he's not going to score less than fifty, barring something dramatic. And. I, Without like, manage, without trying to overstate it at this like, point, tragic. like like slipping off the curb, or maybe uh, wasn't he the one who also closed his hand in a cab door? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, either way, I'd be happy with the result. I part of me is just trying to undersell it so that it. If I expect him to score 65 goals and he only makes it to 59, am I going to be upset? Yes, you are, as you should be. Probably. Um, <clears throat> in the ever-present uh, creator for Connor, flop for Fantelli, uh, <clears throat> Chase, <clears throat> the Canucks might be a surprise entrant. Um, hardcore into that race. Um, right now, with the league standings, they're 26th um, in the league. With the latest rules in the lottery draft, you can only move up up to three spaces. Mm-hmm. The latest injury report uh, is Tanner Pearson's done for the season. Um, he had a hand injury that is ticking off his teammates as well. Um, Quinn Hughes, uh, the uh, Quinn Hughes is quoted as saying it was not handled properly or the injury. Um, and it, it's been two months since the injury happened. So it's not coming back. I would, I would like to know. If Tanner Pearson really did give permission to the fine doctors or quacks, it could go either way on this one. But did Tanner Pearson really give permission to the doctors to share his medical history with Quinn Hughes? I mean, Quinn Hughes sitting there commenting on he isn't happy with Tanner Pearson's treatment and he feels that it's not, that it, they didn't do it right or they didn't they, they're doing him a disservice. I'm sorry, your family? Oh, wait, you're not family. Okay. Well, I mean, it, as a rule, I I would feel very much the same way. Um, but we've seen over the last couple of years, we've seen 
We'll get. Uh, yes, Jack Eichel. Go ahead. Jack, at Jack Eichel's injury situation, players talk to each other about injuries, and we we never hear anything about Bergeron because, well, he never wants any publicity. <laughs> I'm gonna say Bergeron talking about injuries. Mm. Yeah, I I had something going on. There was nope. something bothering me. I didn't feel quite right. <laughs> but yeah, Bergeron talking about injuries is like trying to get uh, access to some secret bunker somewhere. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but it's gotten to the, whatever is going on with Tanner Pearson has gotten to the point where the NHLPA has gotten involved. Okay. Um, that's a bad sign for the for the league. For the owners, for ownership, I should say. Um, rewind to Jack Eichel finally, finally getting the surgery he wanted and that whole year-long saga. What yep. did I say was going to be a major part of the next CBA? <laughs> uh, <laughs> medical issues and giving the players... Because I thought the same thing. Giving the players the choice or somehow negotiate yeah, at giving least. Giving them more at power. Least, at least having the, the power to negotiate it or something, you know, and just. It's this. If this is a this is another case and Tanner Pearson's not old. So he's going to he's probably still going to be in the league when this happen when this next round of negotiations happens. Mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes, as we see, is not particularly shy, um, and I doubt he's going to fail to remember this. Um, you, I said it what a year a year and change ago, and about, I stand about by Jack, yeah, about I or, or about about the Eichel situation and about the CBA as a whole that this was going to be the major issue of the next CBA. Yeah. I think it's, uh, this is just one more, one more log on the fire. Yeah. I, I, I agree that it's one more log on the fire. I don't know how I feel. I shouldn't say I don't know. I know how I feel, but, it's not really my place. I, I don't. If Tanner Pearson wants to talk about what's going on with him, like Jack Eichel moaning, complaining, and obviously being right about it because it appears that the surgery has given him the ability to play again. If the player wants to talk about it, I get it. But to have Ken, Quinn Hughes come out and be like, oh, you know, I, 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 the way they're handling, unless he's got firsthand knowledge that we're not aware of. You don't it just think it makes it difficult for me. Yes, but if Tanner Pearson wanted it out there, wouldn't Tanner come out and say it? I mean, is he hoping? Okay. Is he t- is he telling Quinn Hughes hoping hoping that Which Quinn one of Hughes them is going to come out? Star power right now. I yes, Quinn Hughes. I get that. Although in Vancouver, does anybody really have star power? Okay, uh, uh, Quinn uh, Tanner Pearson is older than I thought. He's thirty. Um, yes. Which 
person do you think an ownership that at least in theory is serious about having a contending and winning team do you think that they want to annoy least JT Miller uh, no, she's been ready to ride him out of town on a rail lately. Um, uh, the Vancouver fans are absolutely yeah. Then again, they're trying to ride everybody out of that town. They're trying to get rid of both. It's, it's hilarious. Like from the outside, it's genuinely hilarious. And I hope I, the players actually listen to the entire news cycle for a season because it's literally everyone that you can name without looking at the roster. Yes, I mean I get I, I get I get where you're coming I get where you're coming from with Quinn Hughes. I just when it comes to this medical stuff, it's like you got to be careful. And I don't think that he would have said anything if he thought that that Pearson would be upset about it. And the fact that the NHLPA is involved means that it's no longer private. Yeah, or it's no longer private to the extent that it's that it's not a well-known situation. True. And so uh, he sits out another year. He gets he turns he he comes back next season. He's thirty-one. So Tanner Pearson has only gotten into fourteen games this season. If he had had surgery two months ago, six-week recovery time, he'd be back by now. Now he's not coming back for the whole season. That's huge. That's 60, that's 60 more or plus games of you not having him because you're – theoretically because your medical staff is not up to par. Well, theoretically, or maybe not so theoretically, they're going to be sellers at the deadline anyway. But uh, here's that's part not, of the question. They're not bad enough to win Connor Bedard. But should they sweepstakes? Should they just hit the button now? Yes. Because if they do hit the button now, and they get rid of either Bo or uh, even Brock or. <laughs> who else is on the block or who's not on the block out there? It might be an easier question to ask who's not on the trade block. And I'm going to guess that that's a very small number. Um, I would. Quinn Hughes is probably not tra- on the block. Their goaltending is just not tradable this season. Um, well, I don't I don't know that it's entirely Thatcher Demko's fault, but. I, I'm not even talking just about Thatcher Demko. I, Spencer Martin's played more games, and his save percentage is even worse. <laughs> and Colin Dia uh, isn't any great. Colin, oh, Colin Delia? Oh yeah, I remember him in Chicago. <laughs> um, but not impressive. One of the players who came, one of the other players who came up in the news is Andre. Uh, Kuzmenko, who has he was actually asked for a decent chunk of change. This is his first season in North America at all. Uh, his first season um, in the NHL after four, after several years in the KHL. 
and I believe that the number he was asking for was like seven million dollars, eight million dollars. He's got 17 goals early uh, through the first half of the season, um, which definitely good. He's 5'11", 203, so not too undersized. Um, Okay, so let me get this straight. You've played in entirely 41 games in the NHL. You have 36 points, which is very nice. And uh, I think the price, uh, it says six million a year. You know what? It says wants to sign a two or three year deal at six million. If the other contract we're going to talk about is actually worth the the four and or nearly five that we're talking about, I'll take it. No, no, no. He wanted he's played entirely 41 games in the NHL and he's suddenly demanding six million dollars a year. He's yes. played 41 games. Yes. Finish a freaking season. He's going to be a UFA. Then talk so. to me. It's not. Uh, you're 26 years okay. old. I get it. You're feeling your, you're feeling your mortality. But I'm sorry. Finish a season. He's going to be a UFA. He was undrafted. Their choices are either sign him or he goes elsewhere. You know that there's at least one team in the NHL with 31 other options that will give him $6 million. I don't know. He's actually got a contract for next year. Oh, no, that's for this show. No, he's my apologies. He's, he's contributing at a pretty at a more than respectable level. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he's making. His cap hit this year will be under two million. No, his cap hit is actually under a million. Yes, nine hundred fifty thousand. Yes, he's gonna get it. There's whether it's the Canucks or not, <clears throat> he's going to get it. I just, I just don't like play a season. You want to start making. Demands that you should get this much money. At least play a season. Look at his KHL numbers. He was he was a strong contributor in the KHL. As we it's as we've talked league. about as we've talked about on this show, though the KHL is still not the NHL. Different league, but he's been he's been consistently he consistently produced there, and he's consistently producing at very nearly the same level on a team that's just playing. Not good. This is true. I mean, last year he led his he led uh, he led St. Petersburg. Previous year he was third on St. Petersburg. Um, twenty-six year old, basically six foot tall, right uh, left wing. Someone's gonna pay him. Year before that, he was second on the team. Someone's going to pay. I, I'm not saying that someone's going to pay it or not going to pay. I mean. Oh, and the year before that, he got to be in the uh, locker room with Pavel Datsuk. 
well, see now that you should have you should have led with that. Now I'm thinking maybe he does deserve it. Absolutely. Well, you know, if I want to rub elbows now. with the if you rubbed elbows with the magic man. Sort of like Thomas Tatari being. Well, he's rubbed elbows with the magic man, yeah. Um for they those played of you on the, haven't they played seen on the same team. He started he started his NHL career in Detroit uh, with Pavel Datsuk and honestly quite a list of the biggest names in the in recent league history or Wait, before, recent um, Red Wings history. Before we get into Tatar, are we done with Vancouver? Is there one other person we need to talk about? Um, there. Or, or are we going to circle back to that? We can circle back to that one, I guess. Oh, okay. Because um, I do want to – well, we can talk about Bo Horvat because this is a – it's a fascinating array of teams that are theoretically lined up to scoop, uh, to pick him up. Um, according well, we to the t- media coverage. We talked about one of them in the past. We talked about a couple of them. But the short list is kind of hysterical because it's – the Boston Bruins, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Vegas Golden Knights, and then you add in the Colorado Avalanche and the Seattle Kraken, and pause for breath for a second because there's probably two or three others in there, but those five teams all have something in common in being somewhere in the top ten or very close to it uh, in the league right now. I don't think Boston can pull it off. Toronto would have to shake up their core. And why would you do that when you're possibly the second best team in the league right now? I just Toronto needs to I, I, Toronto it's needs bro- defense. It's we a know broken that. record. It's got to stop. Yeah. Um, their top six is set. I don't know what the heck they're worried about get a free independent. And why would you bring in Bo Horvat to be on your third line? Now, Colorado makes That's the most sense. That's what the Bruins sense. are going to do. Colorado makes the most sense to me um, in terms of need. Now, whether that can be accomplished is a different thing because right. Colorado's prospect pool is not particularly deep, but right now Colorado sits outside of a playoff spot. True. They have games in hand on everyone ahead of them. And we know how much you like that measurement, but <laughs> they still need help with the departure of Nazem Kadri and Bo Horvat is not the same style of player as Nazem Kadri. I knew not. I knew. I knew Kadri going going to Calgary was going to hurt Colorado. I knew that that was a given. Having the injuries that they had. Well, they started at one point. They had half of their starting roster from uh, from opening night on injured reserve. Half. Um, it's honestly more amazing that they're close to a playoff start, uh, 
a playoff spot with that many with that many players out for that much because it looks like they played about 41 games yeah 41 games Nathan McKinnon missed 11 of those yeah Arturi Lekkinen missed at least three Evan Rodriguez missed 11 games um Nichuskin has only played 15 games are you really crying over Evan Rodriguez missing 11 games though he he's got 21 points in the 30 games that he has played He's a really solid player. A- am I saying that he's the straw that stirs the drink out there? No, of course not. But fair enough. When your middle six disappears, <laughs> um, Josh Manson has only made it into 21 games. I mean, some of that is just Josh Manson. But um, even Sam, uh, like Sam Girard, has missed uh, six games. Bowen Byram has only played 10 games. Um, and there's half a, there, there's a couple of other guys who have been out, and quite frankly, we don't know when they're coming back. Uh, their goaltending has been eh, middle of the road. I mean, Kransus, who was incredible in their cup run, uh, 919 save percentage. Uh, Georgiev, 9-14. Not terrible, but no, not, but not, not stellar either. So if you slide Bo in as that 2C behind McKinnon, yeah. you're reshaping the team. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't. And and as much as you uh, whether I know he'd succeed here in Boston and he'd be the heir apparent to either number two or number one C position based on what Bergeron and or Krejci do at the end of the year. I think that Boston needs to worry about what they're going to do with pasta. Had a very interesting take from a a friend of mine. Well, friend. newly found acquaintance potential but said that pasta was the most overrated player in the nhl so oh that sounds like an entertaining person (laughs) it made for a very entertaining discussion (laughs) to have been uh, to have been a fly on that wall um but it, seriously, they need to uh, Boston. If they're going to do this right, they need to worry about what they're going to do about pasta. Whether that affects trading for a Bo Horvat or not, or what they're going to do at the trade deadline or not. Yeah, I think that he's going to end up elsewhere, and Colorado seems like the most natural as far as fit is concerned. I mean, could he end up in Seattle? Sure. Seattle makes a lot of sense for him. Because they're a pretty young team, too. And despite the fact that we've been talking about him for what feels like a decade and a half. Yes. Bo Horvat is all of 27 years old. Um, I think the regular season is over about the time of his birthday on April 5th. Okay. So if he's going to move... And he gets any say in it, whether it's saying, no, I won't sign an extension as part of a trade there or uh, something similar or nope, I'm just going to free agency no matter what. He probably does want to sign with a team that's 
a little bit younger. Well, considering he's turned down their latest offer. He doesn't want to. I, I don't think I'm I, I can't speak for him, but I can tell you that I don't think he wants to be there. Whether it's because of all the trade rumors and or whether it's because the team is terrible or whether because ownership is completely got their head tucked somewhere where the sun isn't shining. I don't know. Um, but I don't get the impression that he wants to stay with the Canucks. So the Canucks need to do something because letting him go for nothing would be a complete mistake. I mean, when you come, when you get, when you look at it that way, my question is, why would he want to stay? Oh no, I agree. I, I if the Tanner Pearson thing, if Quinn Hughes is correct and Tanner Pearson, you know. Vancouver or the doctors or whoever are mishandling Tanner Pearson's hand situation, allowing all of these rumors to persist. And with Bo Horvat, it's not just this year. It's been the last two or three years. Uh, Elias Patterson at one point was, uh, you know, Brock Besser. We got it. It seems like they're constantly in the rumor mill of trying to get rid of people. Well, oh, it, it's eventually it's, going to get rid of like, everybody and you're going to have no one. I cannot think of a single team, even the Leafs, where the where the fan base seems to hate the team more. Yeah, I'm, I'm racking my brain, but yeah, I can go with that. Although Toronto does, is got to be a close second. I mean, they. It, it, it's just more than a little bit goofy there. Um, so, Bo Horvat, I think both of us think Colorado is the best fit, but I don't know that. I don't know they have the assets. Like I, every evaluation I've seen of their prospect pool says, meh. Okay. Nah. Tatar. Thomas rubbing elbows with the magic man and uh, a couple of other hockey greats that played in Detroit. And then one that you don't necessarily think was a hockey great, but, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> that would be Nicholas Lidstrom. <laughs> I would say that he was a hockey really good. A hockey really good. Okay. That's a new one. Where does that classification fit in? Outside the Hall of Fame. Ouch. (laughs) So Tatar's rubbing elbows. I mean, it's got to be – it's got to be somewhat daunting, uh, regardless of whether you come in and you're the number one overall pick and you're expecting to be the man uh, to come into a locker room and sit down and find that your locker is next to. Hold on, Suk. Pavel Datsuk. Uh, now, some of the other players on that roster, his rookie season. Henrik Zetterberg. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no. Henrik Zetterberg is not to me. As much as I respected his play, not even like one of the big names, 
Mike Madonna was on that roster. Brian Erfalski on that roster. Um, those those are huge names. Yes. You had uh, Chris Soso. I Chris Osgood on the roster. Ouch. <laughs> You're going to take a shot whenever you can. I get it. <laughs> He's won a Stanley His Cup. His career save percentage was below league average for the time he was in the league. <laughs> Period. Period. Won absolutely zero individual awards. Okay. Again. Yeah, but so, and then there are some other really fun players who were on that team as well. Oh, Justin Abdelkader. You had Justin Abdelkader. You had Brad Stewart. Um, obviously, Thomas Holston, Holstrom and, and Dan Cleary. Johan Franzen. Ah, the mule, yes. And I want to say that that was, wasn't that Jimmy Howard's rookie season too? Or had he been there the year before? Let's see, Howard started in 05, 06. Yeah. Um, No, Howard had been there a couple of years at that point. I mean, the fact that they the fact that they're in the midst of like twenty five years in the playoffs and I mean it just the whole and, and they had you know, they had the Stanley Cups which weren't as far in the past as they are now, obviously, but a little bit fresher. Yeah, it just They were the league's golden boy. They were the banner bearer at that time for how to be a powerhouse in the league. Consistent. That was mostly before the salary cap was instituted. In fact, I think it was entirely before the salary cap was instituted. But um, so Thomas Tatar came in, and on the Devils website, they have an interview with him talking about it feeling like being in a video game to play with that team, uh, with those players, and his reaction to finding out. Exactly how competitive um, Pavel Dotsik was. You had the quote uh, sitting. Uh, you had the quote there a couple of minutes ago. The quote um, about how competitive Dotsik was and like, how hard he pushed everyone. Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, apparently. His apparently he was just. We always played these. We always played these mini games. You know he was so competitive. Uh, walked into a dressing room. You have your jersey. It's hanging on a hanger. Datsuk would set a point in the room. We'd have to take the hanger and throw it, and play whoever will be closest. <laughs> we would mark a dot, and someone would have to be closer to the dot with the hangers. I mean, it's a hanger, and you're throwing it across the room like a horseshoe just to try and get closest to a dot. But apparently, Pablo Datsuk was competitive about everything, and this guy is sitting right next to you. And then on the other side, like I said, you've got Justin Abdelkader, who's the most physical or second most physical guy on the team. I don't know if Holmstrom was still as physical then as he was earlier in his career, but. Yeah, I mean, the 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 lessons you could learn just by accident. 
and hope they stick because you're sitting next to a guy who's a Selkie winner, sitting next to a guy who just knew how to do things the right way. But I think the there's a lot that he learned there, and a lot uh, he had he had a great opportunity to pick up uh, from some really strong players, Um, and he's. I mean, he's now 744 games into his career, started in the league. He played in that 10-11 season and then was back for the 12-13, having spent the uh, 11-12 year in the AHL. Um, Wasn't the 11-12 the lockout, the lockout shortened season, or was it the 12-13? That was... 13, 14, but okay. You might be right. I think it is. No, because 13, 14 was only 48 games, and he played 73 in the 13, 14 season. Okay, then that wasn't it. So it was um, anyways, it was, um, and he's had, the, he's had the opportunity to play with some other interesting players who are going to be in their respective teams, um, <clears throat> Raptors someday. Like, do any of us doubt that William Carlson is going to be in, in the, the Vegas big, Raptors someday? He's, he's an original. He's an original misfit. Come on now. Um. The the only the the only three there's only three original misfits left on that team. Yeah. Marsha So Riley and William Carlson. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although no, Shane Theodore's there. He was an he's a he's an original. I thought he left and came back at some point, or I or maybe it was just that he was injured for so long. He was out. He was hurt. But I mean, Theodore's an original misfit. He was part of. He was part of. He was one of the acquired. Although, again, back to back Anaheim just completely messed that one up. That's why they changed all the rules when Seattle went to the draft because McPhee just. I have the McPhee? utmost. Res- I have the utmost respect for George McPhee. The way he was able to man- manipulate that expansion draft and the whole process—it was gorgeous. <laughs> I'm sorry, I put together a team in an expansion inaugural season that made it to the NHL Stanley Cup final. Uh, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> he manipulated the heck out of that draft. I mean, then he went to Montreal, and whatever else happens, we're gonna see Carey Price's number in the Raptors in Montreal. Yeah. Um, his first year in Montreal, uh, Price had played 66 games, 35 wins, 918 save percentage with four shutouts. Yeah. Um, definitely not a bad season. Um, he was, now he's on his second season in New Jersey. He's playing with a whole bunch of young players. Who he's well, it turns out he's the he's the the old guy in the room now, so to speak. And, and that, that would be correct. Um, he's what is he thirty this year? Thirty one. I want to say he's thirty one. Might even be thirty two. Anyways, uh, looking at the youngsters around him, Jesper Bratt. Yeah. Heischer, Jack Hay- Jack Hughes. Yeah. Um, Igor uh, Sharonkovich. 
Bruins killer. Those four all by themselves. That's that's the cornerstone of a team. Um, you look at you look at some of the other kid, other guys, and you've got uh, at least uh, for like this year's roster, you've got those guys returning. You've still got Dougie Hamilton there. You've got Dawson Mercer, um, Damon Severson, who I'm sort of coming around on. Where have you been? Look, I I thought he was less good than he's shown himself in the last year, this year. Um, New Jersey's got some work to do at the end of the year. Oh, before yes. the end of the year. You got a lot of free agents to to. Uh, to well, that Yegor Sharangovich guy. Mm-hmm. That Jesper Bratt guy. Mm-hmm. Miles Wood. They've got some work to do. And then the young guys that are on entry levels. I mean, what a young team. Tatar is never going to be. The thing is, Tatar has been in places where they're hanging names in the rafters. But if it's you asked cool. him, yeah, I don't know that he expects his number is going to be hanging anywhere in a rafters. I mean, no. I know he came out to a lot of buzz when he came in Detroit, you know, the goal scoring, this, that and everything. I don't think he's ever. And I, and I know I said it. Pre- I don't think he's ever reached that full potential. I mean, what his best season was. 1920 with. The Canadians in 68 games, he had 61 points. Was that that was the um, pause shortened year? Was it not? Yeah, um, that, that, that was, was the, the that was the pause shortened year when they shut down. No, that was the was, that was the four division North division year uh, with all the Canadian teams because of the difficulties in crossing the border. Oh, I thought that was 2021 when they played 56 games, but okay. 1920 was the pause year when they shut the season down. That was his best season, 61 points in 68 games, which that is very nice numbers. Yeah. But he really hasn't hit that points per game mark. I mean, he had the year before he had 58 and 80. But I don't know that he's and he does have multiple 20 goal seasons. I mean, right now in in New Jersey, <laughs> the depth of young players ahead of him, he's not going to get that ice time. He's not even he's not going to see power as much power play time um, for those just actually his for those listening. We were talking about how young the um, Devils forwards are. Average age of the 14 forwards on their roster right now, um, despite including guys who are in their – a couple of guys who are in their 30s, most of the teams in the league are around 27 years of age, 27 and change. Yeah. Uh, Devils' average age of forward is 24.9. So that's the 21-year-old Jack Hughes, the 24-year-old Nico Heischer, the 24-year-old Jesper Bratt, the 24-year-old Igor Shea Ernkovich, 
Uh, another 24-year-old in Michael McLeod. Alex Holtz at 20. Dawson Mercer at 21. Uh, Jesper Boquist, 24. Nolan Foote, 22. And Fabian Zetterland at 23. Um, that's a whole lot of youngsters. And as you mentioned... That's a whole lot of young. They have five RFAs who are arbitration eligible. And then three UFAs, including Tatar Wood and Hala. Um, I don't think they resign Hala. Uh, Tatar, it depends on what kind of money he's going to ask for. I think I get Wood the feeling that signed go elsewhere. I get the feeling that New Jersey likes him as a locker room guy, and Tatar that is. And he's still putting up decent numbers. I mean, it, it's not crazy good numbers. I mean, he's not suddenly, you know, a 60-point. You know, he's got 27 points in 43 games. That's not bad, considering no. he's probably getting limited ice time due to the youth. He's he's basically getting really good third-line numbers. So, depending on what the money is, I think he. I think New Jersey will keep him around. I don't uh-huh. see them re-signing Howla, but yeah, they've got some work to do. And I think if Tatar is one of those voices in the locker room, I think that why not? I mean, you sign Palat, who's a year younger, to a five-year, $30 million deal. I'm not saying Tatar should get that at all. I'm saying, you know, but if you can get him to stay right around where he is, maybe a little bit less, we can get him to agree to a three-year Three years, twelve million. Three years, thirteen million. Something like that. Something like that. Bring him right up to his thirty-five. Bring him right up to the thirty-five threshold, and or maybe you just give him a two-year deal and say two years, seven mil. Two years, eight, and yeah, seven and seven and three quarters, something like that. I mean. I, I, I think he's a really I think he's a really good player, but he's never been one that as a follower of Red Wings, he's never been one that's undersold and over delivered, unfortunately. Um from the current devils to a former devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the Bruins news this week is a Pavel Zaka extension. <laughs> mm-hmm. Four and three quarter million times four years. I know you're happy about this. It's okay. There is part of it to be happy about. Which part is that? As of right now, there is no sign of any non-movement or, or no movement or no trade clause. Yes, well, um, Chiarelli is contract is still unconfirmed, uh, according to Cap Runley. Um, but I, I hope that even Sweeney's isn't going to give Zaka <laughs> a non-movement. Um, what would make you think that he would give Pavel that they would give Pavel Zaka no movement deal? History, the fact that he's twenty-five. No, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out what has he done that he's earned a no movement or a no trade or stipulation. Given them out before, I, I don't. Okay, A, Chiarelli, not in charge. 
I'm talking about Sweeney. I, I'm definitely talking about Sweeney, who has handed out uh, some no movements and no trades. But to whom? I mean, he gave, I mean, he gave one to Lindholm, even though Lindholm hadn't been here at all. Um, David Pasternak has that no movement that he got at the beginning of this contract. Taylor Hall has a no trade, no movement. He he came out of Buffalo being not very much and not doing very much. Charlie Coyle, no movement, no trade. Why does Nick Felino have one? Nick Felino. Why does he have a modified no trade? Uh, and then <laughs> Derek Forbert has one. Lena Solmark has no move, a full no movement. That were uh, a 16 team no trade list. Um, in 23-24, 24-25, it goes to a 15-team no-trade list. He gets, he loses one team. Okay. I'm okay with Linus Olmark's no movement. I mean... We know you are. <laughs> no, I'm okay. There, there are there are some situations where I'm okay with no movements and no trades. Yes, when the I mean, player is your wubby. First of all, no. Well, Patrice Bergeron has one. He's 35 plus. Where's he going? When you know he, nobody's gonna. If the Bruins traded him away, there would be mass lynchings on Causeway no, Street. Maybe just one. <laughs> maybe oh, two. Me. <clears throat> maybe two, two at least. But that's my point. He doesn't need a – I mean, Bergeron doesn't need one because I don't think that anybody is dumb enough to actually consider trading him. Uh, but, he still, really? but he still has one as a 35-plus. Look, Gretzky and Bork were both traded or was traded. That means anybody can be traded. Bork was traded entirely for an entirely different reason. I don't I – don't, Gretzky, I don't know what his problem was, but – Bork was traded because Bruins ownership and front office wanted him to have that one thing that he was never going to get here in Boston. Stanley. Uh-huh. But as I said, if those three guys can be traded, anyone can be traded. Okay. Except, you know, for Nick Foligno. Why are we not trading Nick Foligno again? Um, right now, he's playing well enough to justify his contract, I guess. He's playing well enough to justify $3.8 million? Has he got 15 he goals? This is the 4.75 that Zaka has yet to justify? <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> Um, I, I don't have a complaint with, with, uh, with Polino's contract and performance this year. Especially since he took on Wayne Simmons last night. I, I've always been a Wayne Simmons guy. Um, I know. So just, just for, just for the numbers sake, real quick. Yeah. Uh, it took. In 64 games last year, um, Nick Foligno was had all of 13 points. Yes, he was, was minus, clearly a minus clearly, 13. He was clearly unhealthy. Yes. Stop interrupting. 
Um, this year in 42 games, he's tripled his goals, uh, increased his assists, and went from minus 13 last year to a plus 11 playing for, playing fourth line. So mm-hmm. he has more points than last year. And in five, or, uh, yeah, in seven less games than the previous season, the 2021, he's only got one less point. He should be back to that 1920 shape at minimum where he had 31 points in 67 games. Um, given everything that he does, yeah. yeah, I don't have a problem with his contract this year. Do I want, do I, do I necessarily want him signed to a contract extension? Not more than one year. Um, but if you, you look at the, like if you look at his per 60 production, um, His points production this year um, is his. You have to go back to. You have to go back to fourteen fifteen um, before you get a higher points per sixty. Um, the only other higher points per sixty than what he's at this year was in the eleven twelve season. Okay. Uh I can live with that. Do, as I said, do I want him signed to a five-year extension? No. But you, but you're unhappy with a four-year extension for. I mean, which Pavel's uh, not, no, no, no. To bring it Pavel's back around because this started with Pavel Zaka. So to bring it back around to Pavel. Pavel Zaka is having a career year. And. 25 points in 42 games. Yeah, it's probably. Pablo Zaka is having a career year. He's ahead of everywhere else. But he's uh, it's also his seventh year in the league. He's having a career year. Okay. We do not know if this is the beginning of the rise or simply an anomaly. It... The Bruins team this year is somewhat of an anomaly. I mean, and we'll get we'll get into that in just a second. But if you going going with the same per 60 numbers. Yeah. Technically, he's slightly behind his 2021 numbers where he had a 2.4, a 2.4 points per 60 um, for a full season. Yeah. Everywhere else, every other season, he's been between 1.4 and 1.8. Okay. This year, he's at 2.3. And that's with him shooting less than most years. Um, Because, I mean, his goals per 60 has been consistently under... He's only got one year where he's averaged one goal, more than one goal per 60. And that was, again, his previous career high of 50 points. He should eclipse that this year. But I just. His career assists, again, his assist number, previous high, 1.4 back in the 1920 season 
This year he's at 1.8. So okay. increasing four tenths of an assist per 60, playing a lot with David Pasternak. David Pasternak's not signed next year. Or who is he feeding it to? I'd like to say it's going to be Fabian Lysel, and Fabian Lysel is going to step in. But is anyone projecting Fabian Lysel to be a near 60 goal scorer next year? No, I don't think anyone knows enough about Fabian Lysel to make that prediction. Okay, so who else on the Bruins roster or in the Bruins system is going to provide that many opportunities for him to be this far above his average uh, in terms of assists per 60? No one. Because they're not putting him on the line with Bergeron and and Marchand assuming that Bergeron even comes back next year. Yeah. Because, I mean, for that right-wing spot, you have Jake DeBrusque, who has slotted into it um, and worked really well since he has. If Pasta is back, he's, I mean, that line was brutal, brutal, brutal against pretty much everyone, just crushing them in all three zones for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I just don't see it. I, I'm having more trouble with this contract than I expected, but at least it's a contract that. But which is what? A, what about it? Is it the length? Is it the dollars? What about the contract is the problem? You had a problem with. Um, the numbers for uh, the numbers that uh, Andre Kuzmenko was asking for in Kuzmenko has 41 games in the NHL. He's go- he's a UFA though, and he's producing. He stepped into the NHL his first year in North America period, and is producing like a high end player. Okay. Pavel Zaka is now six years, seven years into the league and is a consistent bottom six player, period. He was a first-round draft pick. He was a high first-round draft pick. I understand that, but he's not getting paid. No, 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 no. Let me finish now. He's not getting paid like a top six player. He's getting paid, if you want to compare dollar amounts, he's getting paid like a middle to bottom six player because Nick Foligno is a bottom six player. He's getting $3.8 million. Craig Smith is a bottom six player, and he's getting north of $3 million. Their contracts so, were signed several years ago. Right. So now if you average them up to what they would be now, dollar amount-wise, they're closer to the four and three quarters that Zaka's getting. I don't think I have a problem with the money. I think I have a problem with the fact that their priorities seem out of whack. No. That's my problem. The dollar amount, the length of term, I mean, it's only four years. It's less than $5 million per. Considering he's a bottom six, maybe a middle six, if he can step up his game, maybe it's a little high. Maybe they should have given him $4 million per. Three and three quarters, somewhere between three and three quarters and four and a quarter would have been probably ideal. My problem isn't even with the contract. It's with the fact that you're extending Zaka and you still got this mammoth elephant in the room known as 
David Pasternak that there's no deal yet. So that's my problem with it. Okay, let me just just going back to the comparison to Kuz, uh, Kuzmenko. Yeah, Kuzmenko through uh, playing in Vancouver, a much worse team than Seattle this year. Yes, they are. I can I, I have to agree with that. He's playing his first year in North America. Period. First year in the NHL. Okay. He has as many goals, as many assists as Matty Baniers. And he's one point behind Jake Gensel. He's two points behind Brad Marchand. I'm not That's sure not. where on the list. Now, Brad Marchand has played a lot less games, but um, I'm not sure where on the list Pavel Zaka is. And I don't know that I can go. We have time for me to go that far down. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to argue the stats. I'm just. I mean, I, I've said my piece. My issue isn't with the contract at all. My issue is with the fact that Bruins front office seems to have their heads significantly buried in a hole when it comes to Pasternak. I don't know why. 162nd in scoring in the NHL this year. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Now, admittedly, that's out of 841 players. But when you look at the, let's see, when you look at, I don't know, we'll go to the uh, number 400, Matt Martin. Uh, Matt Martin, Colin Miller, and a couple of others are tied at 11 points. Several others. Um, Including one or two players who, like Derek Broussard. Is he still playing? Eric Broussard is still playing. Jamie Alexiak is still playing. Well, Jamie Alexiak's in Seattle. I know that. Okay, so he is uh, – Danton Heinen is also in that 11-point range, which is closer to Pavel Zaka than – I expected so much more out of Danton Heinen. Um, I, I just – I can't get. Ex- I've never been excited by Pavel Zaka. Like, and that's fine. I understand it. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you for the sake of disagreeing with you. I'm just explaining to you why I don't like. It's not the contract I don't like. It's the operations. Well, that's news. Bruins fans being and in other water is wet. <laughs> um, real, real quick, we're going to talk about. I want to talk about why, how we managed to get the Bruins preseason prognostications wrong. We weren't, we weren't the only ones though. That's not it was fair. everyone. It was yes. literally everyone. And if there is somebody out there who's going to say, "I knew this was going to happen," uh, lion. You need better <laughs> drugs, or you need to show me your time machine. Thank you, lion. <laughs> um, but I was, I've been thinking about this for like three weeks. And okay. I realize that there's at least like five or six major factors that come in. Um, number one, or we're going to start with some of it, uh, with what some of what we were just talking about. 
bounce back in career years. Nick Polino, bounce back year. Pavel Zaka, on pace for career year. That's huge. It's not just them. It's up and down the roster. We're going to talk about your another factor. Your favorite player ever, apparently. Omar has been killer. No, I just... He has strangled really good teams. Uh Uh-huh. Like, ruthlessly mugged them in the parking lot and tossed their (laughs) corpses onto the ice. Which nobody, if anybody, including myself, said they expected. When he played for Buffalo, I knew he was good because his save percentage, again... And I was having this discussion again last night. His save percentage in Buffalo was decent behind what was considerably a lacking defense, <laughs> if you could call it that. His goals that's, against awful. It, that's aggressively generous, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, I knew he'd have a 935 save. I didn't know that. But I knew that he was as good as, if not slightly better than what he was showing in Buffalo, because in Buffalo, he was capped by what was around him. Put him behind, and I've said it about other goaltenders, put that goaltender behind a Bruins defense. Put that goaltender behind the Nashville defense from a few years ago and tell me what they're really capable of. There you go. That's that's why he's my, it's not like he's my favorite because, oh my God, I've loved him. No, no. no. I just recognize that this is a guy who would succeed in this system. Yeah. Uh, one of the other big factors is genuine change in style. And wait, wait, wait. Voice. That, re- nah, uh, that requires that you had to have a style prior to this season. The style was grab bag <laughs> hockey. It was legitimately just reach into this uh, Salvation Army bag and put on some uh, put on some clothes and then head out on the ice. At least as far as I can tell. Now there actually is a system. There is a system. It's visible. It's consistent. It works. <laughs> it works, yes. Um, next major set. There was a lot of optimism on the injury front and... they've been largely really lucky with with injuries otherwise than the guys who started the season on the injured reserve. But with everything that happened last year and the year before, all the guys knew coming into the season how to play without those guys for one period of time or another. Sure, playing without Marchand and Grizzly and... McAvoy altogether was a new thing, but guys, the guys were determined when they got, when they arrived at camp, when they started their, when they started their off season workout ramp up into season play into game playing shape, they knew about it. It wasn't coming at them cold and they wanted to do good so that their teammates wouldn't rush back. Yeah, well, they knew about, especially those three, Grizzy and Marshan, and they knew about them in preseason. They were able to play preseason games, run through preseason workouts, knowing that they weren't going to be around for the first six. 
so they could work out what was going on without a question. The fact that they came back early and all three of them came back early. Yeah. Was and just Marchand is just rounding back into <laughs> Keith Marchand. Yes. He threw, wonderful. he threw a couple of hits last night that were, I mean, Connor Clifton threw a few hits too, and that that, that was fun to watch. And, but Marchand actually hit a couple of people last night, and it was like, all right, he's fine. He, I know that he said he's feeling 100%, but now he's looking like he's 100%. <laughs> Even going back like seven or eight games, I tweeted that Marchand was not turning at speed to the right. He was making all of his turns to the left, mm-hmm. which was unusual for him because he's just insane on the ice. Um, there's two other factors that were big. Um, obviously, the return of Krejci and Bergeron, even though we were not sure until the last minute that they were coming back. I, I genuinely didn't expect both of them. The fact that they both came back and didn't look like they'd miss a beat. Like, Krejci didn't look like he'd missed a beat, despite having not even been in the league for a year. Um, but it's not like he wasn't playing competitive hockey. That's what, that's what seems to get overlooked. I realize... He was playing college-level hockey for old guys. <laughs> it's still competitive. It's not like he was sitting on the couch eating Cheetos for a year. But can you genuinely say that the Czech League is <clears throat> on the same level as the as the NHL? I'm not. I'm not saying that either at all. Is it on the is same it? level as the AHL? No. Probably not. I don't know the Czech League that well, but probably not. It's probably better than the ECHL. <clears throat> obviously, where you're... <laughs> Do they have got, the bloodlust? <laughs> obviously, where you've got um, adult players are going to beat the pants off of any junior team. Um, but it's at least two levels down from the NHL. Because the Swedish Hockey League would be ahead of it. Um, The KHL is probably ahead of it, too. Okay. Um, I'm not saying he's playing top level. I'm just saying he's on skates. He's playing competitive hockey. That's going to keep the juices flowing, even if it's not NHL level physicality and and. But yeah. he's still on skates. He's still playing competitively. Still getting up for a game. But yes, him coming back was. I didn't think he'd come back. Uh, but obviously, I don't think there would have been a return for him except for the last factor, which is the new coach and the that that. Every new every new coach gets that honeymoon period. Yeah, he's past it. It's usually a ten game bounce, and I think that carried a lot of that early season. 
um, before, you know, before Brad Marchand started skating, before McAvoy and Grizzlick started uh, looking like they were coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, that honeymoon period, that coaching change, the change in the style and the the tenor of correction from the from the bench. See, I I actually think it all starts with the the I think it all starts with the tenor of the bench because how much has changed? How much did Cassidy really have a negative? And I don't want to downplay, but I don't have a choice. How much did his being head coach at the end there really affect things? I mean. Did Krejci really not want to come back, or did he just have an issue with the coach? Did I think it was both. I wanted. I think he wanted his kids to see him play competitive hockey in and I believe his native yeah, country. Yes. Um, but I honestly, I honestly believe he wanted to take the family home. But when you look at how many of the players who left here after Cassidy because of who left here under Cassidy's reign. And went and did, went and played better elsewhere. And then you look at the fact that Jake DeBrusque withdrew his trade request. Yeah, as soon as as soon as he was gone, Trent Frederick is looking like he's going to be pushing for a top six spot in a year or two. Um, I'm not saying he'll get there, but when you first saw Trent Frederick at development camp. What is it, six years ago at this point? Did you think that he would genuinely be pushing for a middle six? No. So you didn't you didn't really think that he, there is a chance that he would be playing what? top line. No. Yeah. I still don't think he's going to get top line, but middle six. No. I, like, but I but he's like right now playing with coil, playing with Hall when that paint job what? lines together. And it's a fun line to watch. They are a. They have. They are. That line has every. That line has all the skills. You have physical. You have big. You have solid hands. You have good stick work. You have goal scoring. That line combines all of the elements. Yes. (laughs) Um, Now, going back into those factors that I just named. Um, mm-hmm. Which one of those do you think really, really is um, the next most important? You talked about the coaching being the top one. Is it is it the career years and bounce back years that the people are having? Is it the I mean, Olmark, you really can't deny the impact of great goaltending. Um. Is it I think great cold optimism and luck on the injury front. I think I think that uh, great goaltending is helpful, but I think that great goaltending might steal you a win here or there. That being said, in order for great goaltending to be truly great, you need a solid defense in front of that great goaltending. Uh, Omar can't do it all on his own. He makes he makes a phenomenal save here. He makes a phenomenal save there. But ultimately, if there's not a great defense in front of him, 
clearing the puck out, clearing the front of the cage, getting people away from the blue paint. I think my second most important part of this list of five, I think, is the players that returned coming back early, the the health of this team. Felino being healthy this year. I mean, it's a huge difference. You can see it. Felino just looks healthier. I mean, he gets into a fight last night with Wayne Simmons. I mean, and and you could see they were gentlemanly about it. I love the fact that at the end of the fight, neither one went down, and then Wayne Simmons pats Nick Felino on the head. That was hilarious. I was like, and it okay. was honestly maybe the best NHL fight I've seen in like two years. That was brilliant. He, he he pats him on the head, big smile on his face, big toothless smile because Wayne Simmons, when he's playing hockey, he's doesn't have his it. teeth in. But he's patting him on the head, and I'm like, you know what? This was just one of those things where they knew what they were doing. They were trying to get their teams going. There's oh, no, no, I mean, ana- there's no animosity there. <laughs> I think they were genuinely annoyed with each other. Okay, Gen- genuinely annoyed is one thing, but I don't think they were really. I, I mean, when he patted him on the head, it was like that sig that signal that okay, you know, good job, you know. I mean, their their bout went a good a good amount of time. Most most good few minutes. And, no, no, the, it was a good few minutes. Every time I thought they were going to step in, Wayne or you know somebody threw a punch and they, they were off again. So it lasted a good four minutes or so. Um, But I think I honestly think the I think the change at that coaching level, the the fact that you have somebody in there that the team is listening to that has a system that I think that is number one. And I think number two is the health of the team and, and the fact that those who were out and coming back coming back early. I mean, and yes, the team was prepared for them to be out a set amount of time. Yeah. We weren't expecting, um, Marsh and, and, or McAvoy back until close to sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And all three of them were back, I think by Halloween. That's a big difference. But they've also, as we, been very very lucky I mean the biggest injury that they've had this season is to Jake DeBrosk and oh, I, thought for, uh, I thought Forbort but well Forbort was only I think Forbort only missed like five or six games um, was it that little I thought it was closer to like 10 or 11 but anyway the, I'm not I'm not trying to compare injuries I, I I mean, one's a defenseman, one's a forward. You know, DeBrusque, I think DeBrusque ultimately is going to be longer than what Forbort was out, yes. Because whatever happened to his hand, did he break a bone? I don't even know what happened to his hand. Uh, it, I think it was a broken thumb or something like that, a broken finger. Yeah, that can be painful when you're trying to, I don't know, you know, stick handle or, or shoot or, you know, just overall get jarred against the boards. Mm, yeah. All of the, you know, hockey stuff. Yeah, basically. Yeah, sure. Oh, and Monday, Monday, Monday matinee game Bruins. from Boston Bruins. Bruins play Philly. 
where they're doing better than many people projected. Yeah, Not great. Tortorella. Which is, again, one of those things that we talked about at the beginning of the season. And I people were saying, oh, they're tanking for Bedard. And I'm like, mm, I don't Tortorella see Tortorella. Tank. Uh, Tortorella <laughs> doesn't tank for anybody. <laughs> Gretzky and Lemieux could be at the top of the uh, could be at the top of the next draft uh, in their 18 year old bodies. And I still don't think you could get John Tortorella to go along with tanking. Um, no, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even mention tanking in his presence just because <laughs> no, unless I wanted to see the reaction and film it so that I could have a good laugh later. Um, because but Philadelphia is up to a 500 record. There's seven and three in their last 10. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs? No. no. But. They really are only six points behind the Islanders for the second wild card spot. And maybe they do have a game in hand. Maybe they have a game in hand on the on the on the uh, Washington Capitals. When it comes to torts, I don't rule anything out. I mean, the man was willing to bench Pierre Luc Dubois in in Columbus. <laughs> The man genuinely has the um, stones to do whatever he thinks is best for the team. You may or may not agree with him, but he's going to do what he thinks will work or will help um, whenever he deems it necessary. Um, If they, you know, you know, if the front office is actually serious about turning this team into a contender sooner rather than later, maybe they buy up some of that Canucks talent. I'm not sure how many of the Canucks are going to want to come and play under John Tortorella again, although having (laughs) played under several other coaches since then. Maybe they'll be more open to it. But I don't know. If they picked up two or three of the right pieces, they might actually get that boost and and make it. I, I mean, I don't put it at good chance, uh, no more than like 25, 30%. Um, and they don't necessarily have a huge amount of cap space to work with. Um, it looks like Two million in in cap space, uh, but if they get creative and they're moving moving bodies in and out, um, you know I don't necessarily want to give up on Morgan Frost or Noah Cates at this point. Um, but you, could, if someone is willing to take James Van Riemsdyk going back the other way for a younger player who's actually going to be in the Flyers system for two or three years. Um, it might well be time to do it. Uh, you've got a three-headed monster in net right now uh, with Carter Hart and Samuel Arison and Felix Sandstrom. Maybe use one of them as leverage to get something. Well, Samuel Arison is only 23. I don't see them letting him get away. Um, 
176. He's got in my in my opinion, he's like on the fringe of that perfect size for a goaltender. Uh, I'm looking at his stats and the one team that uh, Carolina ate him up scored five goals on 30 shots. But other than that, San Jose, L.A. Kings, Anaheim, Buffalo, he's handled them pretty well. Um, I mean, Cam Atkinson's not coming back this year. Um, probably so not. Tra- no, no, he's having neck surgery. Oh, or no, had neck surgery. Okay. I didn't realize um, that. You, need, you just had a kid, too. Uh, well, he didn't. His wife did, obviously. But Yes. Um, but he's expected to make a full recovery. I mean, trading him right now was going to be really difficult, uh, if not detrimental. Um, but there's, there's some things that could be done to push this team into the playoffs. Does that mean they're going to win the first round and make a magical run and suddenly they're going to be a cup contender? No. But getting, you know, Kiefer Bellows and some of the other youngsters um, a little bit of playoff experience, not to mention getting the owners uh, a couple of playoff dates, uh, a playoff home dates, could do a lot for the franchise. You know, you got Owen Tippett, still young. Um, yep. Morgan Frost. Morgan Frost, uh, Zach McEwen. Um, Couple of other guys there who uh, who need that playoff exposure at some point. Faraby Lawton. I mean, it's not. A, I I don't want to say it's an older. I mean, I know they've got some older players on the roster, but they're weirdly balanced, is what they are. Okay. Like their average yeah, age falls somewhere in the middle of for forwards. It's twenty six four. But, you know, you've got the 30-year-old Hayes and 33-year-old Van Riemsdyk and the 31-year-old uh, Nick DeLosaurus and then 30 year Oh, Nick DeLaurier, yeah, yeah. And everyone else is like 23 to yeah, 24. <laughs> well, 22. How is Joel Therabee only 22? It feels like we've been talking about him for 10 years, too. Yeah, he's only 20. I mean, he's been... This is his fourth season. Yeah, he started when he was eighteen, as far as I know. Yeah, um, he got he got a bit of playoff experience in his first year. Um, played five points in twelve games, and hasn't been back to the playoffs since. Oh, and that was bubble hockey too. The poor child. Apparently, Philly likes waiver claims. Kiefer Bellow, Zach McEwen, and Patrick Brown are all waiver claims. Got to stalk the system somehow. That sounds <laughs> like uh, Mr. Fletcher. And then, and then turns around and, okay, okay, John, you take it from here. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if John actually said, hey, that player's on um, waivers. Yeah. I, he'll work well in our system. But I think I think we wound things up. Uh, everyone have a fantastic week. 
Um, we'll be back in a few days uh, with the next show. Have a great week. Enjoy the hockey. Uh, drop us a line if you have something to say or something you want to know. Take care.